the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went out among the villages teaching. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ, indeed. Lord, we ask that just as you spoke to your town of Nazareth and revealed yourself to them, would you reveal yourself today in a greater measure through the word spoken and the word in broken bread? We ask this all in Christ's precious name. Amen. Please be seated. So, I remember the first time I ever had to preach in front of my parents. Um, You may not remember that because you probably haven't had to preach in front of your parents, But you may remember the first time that you ever went to a dance recital in front of your parents or a sporting event in front of your parents or some major event where you had to perform and you probably had those nerves, that trepidation, and you're wondering, what are my parents going to think? Well, interestingly enough, this is a bit what Jesus is doing. He's going to his synagogue. Uh, Just prior to this, he was in Capernaum. He's uh, done some miracles. In fact, he just raised uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead in Capernaum. But he travels back to Nazareth. And in Nazareth, he goes to his synagogue where everyone knows him, and he preaches. The three things that we see in this passage are this. We see his, his wisdom, we see his wonder, and then we see our worship. His wisdom. He goes into the synagogue and he begins to preach. And what is their reaction in verse 3 and 4? They marveled at his wisdom. What is this wisdom given to him? Jesus spoke these amazing words. Um, In the words of C.S. Lewis, who is that famous uh, Cambridge and Oxford Don, he says that there's there's never been anyone on this planet to, to speak like Jesus. And, and Jesus leaves us with, with a few ways of looking at him, but there's only three ways that he leaves open to us in what he called a trilemma. And he said, Jesus is either um, a liar, he's a legend, or he is the devil from hell, or he is Lord in this dilemma. Liar, legend, or Lord. What do I mean by that? Where is his wisdom? Think about it. You can look at Hammurabi's code, you can look at Confucius, his silver rule, Jesus' golden rule. No one's ever been able to improve upon Jesus' teaching for 2,000 years. Show me someone in the last 2,000 years that's done better than saying, love your enemies. Find someone who, who says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Find someone that can improve or has better teaching than Jesus, and I'll start following them. 
The problem is his wisdom was so unique and so great that it has forever impacted the history of the world. His teaching has raised people and human dignity in a way that was never thought of in the first century. When, when you looked at, at the idea of the Roman paterfamilias, the father of the family, where what the father said always went, he had every right to do whatever he wanted to you if you were part of his family and you were not, um, and you were not the paterfamilias. It was, it was this thing that he elevated women. He elevated the outcast. He elevated the outsider. He elevated the, the sick. Jesus had this, this way of teaching that has forever impacted the world. I mean, I remember I was at uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival about 12 years ago, and, the, and this comedian was, had this, this line, and he was saying, I wonder what happened to the Vikings. One day, they, they, they were ransacking and pillaging and being berserk, and then the next day, they woke up and they said, you know what? I fancy uh, making some flat-packed furniture and Legos. <laughs> but think about that, right? The Danish gave us Legos, right? The Swedish give us Ikea, right? Ikea. Wait, these fearsome Vikings who are raping and pillaging and going berserk everywhere. I mean, there's even an old Irish prayer that makes it into one of their prayer books. It says, Lord, deliver us from the wrath of the Vikings. The whole point is the Vikings were fearsome, but something happened. And I would take it back to, the, to Jesus himself. Look at the flag of Denmark. Look at the flag of Sweden. Look at the flag of Norway. All these uh, Viking countries. There's something that happened. It wasn't that one day they decided to make flat pack furniture. It was the cross of Christ. That's why they make flat pack furniture and don't go berserk anymore. That's why they make these amazing Legos. So Jesus has his, his amazing teachings, his teachings. But the second thing that we see in this passage is Jesus' wonder, his wonder. Jesus uh, preaches here, they listen to him, and they say, you know what? I know exactly who you are. Aren't you the son of Mary? Aren't you the son of Joseph? And aren't these your brothers and sisters? I mean, do you have any friends that are really close, and you're actually the toughest on them, and you're actually the kindest and gentlest on the stranger? Maybe that's not the case with you, but there are people that, that it's, it's the whole thing that Paul Simon said in his, in his album on Graceland that, that you've taken me for granted because I please you. The idea that, that familiarity breeds contempt. They've gotten so used to Jesus that they forget who he actually is. Oh, he's just the son of Mary. But you see, they'd heard about what he'd just done in Capernaum. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. He's healing the, the lame. He's opening blind eyes. There's all these miracles happening. Interestingly enough, in the Gospel of Mark, every time that Jesus does a miracle, you have the word following in, in a couple of verses that says, and they were amazed. In this passage, the crowd is not amazed. It's Jesus who is amazed. Did you catch that? He says, in the rest of Matthew, the crowd is always amazed. In this passage, Jesus is amazed at their unbelief. Not only is his teachings, are his teachings amazing, his actions are amazing, his compassion, his, his care for the poor, his care for the sick, the vulnerable is amazing. And yet, he is amazed at everyone's reaction to him. I mean, it, it's, it's like when, when the Pharisees come and question Jesus, like, for, for, 
for what of my teachings and what of my actions are you accusing me? What, what is it that I've done that's actually so wrong? Getting back to C.S. Lewis's second point, if, if, if he's this great, C.S. Lewis says he's either liar, lunatic, legend, or lord. If he's a liar, then we can ignore his wisdom. But then if he's, if he's a lunatic, let's look at his actions. Do, are his actions actions of someone who's not all the way there, right? I mean, this is a guy that went around doing amazing things, healing the sick and, uh, and, and opening blind eyes. But if you go back to chapter 2 of the Gospel of Mark, they bring in this cripple to him. They, in fact, they unroof the roof. They put him through the roof, and his four friends uh, put the, this, 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 um, this paraplegic in front of Jesus, and Jesus looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say get up and walk. He says your sins are forgiven. He starts with his, his spiritual healing before he starts with his physical healing, his actions. And here is, the, here is the amazing thing. Everyone else is like, wait a minute. Only God can forgive sins. If you want to look at the idea or concept of forgiveness, look at Jesus' teachings, right? Different cultures treat forgiveness differently. If you want to look at this, read Simon Wiesenthal's, um, uh, so Simon, uh, sorry, it was Elie Wiesenthal, not Simon Wiesenthal. Elie Wiesenthal's um, Sunflowers and the Limits of Forgiveness. He, Elie Wiesenthal was uh, someone, or uh, Elie Wiesel, not Simon Wiesenthal, Elie Wiesel was someone who was in um, a concentration camp in, in Germany, and, and he explored the idea of forgiveness, because if you've had some massive evil perpetrated against you, how do you forgive? How do you learn to forgive? And different cultures forgive differently. Um, but in some religions, uh, y- you can only the person sinned against can actually forgive. Um, so Jesus doesn't have the right to say, I forgive your sins because was Jesus sinned against? Well, actually, it does come back to his actions, right? Jesus uh, brings something really interesting up from Psalm 51. Remember when D- David commits adultery, David um, sleeps with Bathsheba, sends Uriah away, Uriah gets killed at the front line because David pretty much orchestrates his murder. And then after adultery and murder and that whole slew of sins and the cover-up, what does David say in Psalm 51? Against you and you alone have I sinned. Because you see, if I lie or if I cheat or if I steal, that's always done towards someone else. But it's also always done and directed towards God. So only the person sinned against can actually offer me forgiveness. If I steal your car, I have to say, hey, Gerilyn, will you please forgive me for taking your car and wrecking it? But I would also probably have to say, God, will you forgive me for doing that? So the fact that Jesus is telling people that their sins are forgiven is saying that by his very actions, he's saying, I'm more than just a good teacher, a good prophet. He's saying, I am God himself. So he's amazed that people, uh, even after all the good he's done and all of his great teachings, that they're still not getting who he is. His, his wisdom and his wonder and amazement. Every other time there's miracles done, they stand in wonder and amazement. But that brings us to the third point. And here's what it says. He says he, does, he did no mighty work, except for he healed a few people here and there, and then he left Nazareth and he went about in the villages teaching. 
And I like the way that, that Mark, it's almost like this, this, this amazing story that, that he leaves us on cliffhangers. It's like when you watch a Netflix series, right? If you watch some of these TV series, they take you to like minute 42, and you know at minute 43 it's going to end because of all the, like, there's all the commercials, the 17 minutes in between, right? But you get to minute 43 and what happens? They leave you with a cliffhanger. That's the whole point. Mark is leaving you and I with a cliffhanger. The whole point is, we know about his wisdom, we know about his wonder, but the question is, what are we going to do with our worship? 